Hey, thanks, Philip. Um, so thank you. Uh, thanks to everyone who's joined uh, here in the room and also those who are joining us virtually. Now, uh, typically, you know, in our second meeting, we have the meeting for uh, certain segments. We sometimes have for the married people. We sometimes have for the singles. We sometimes have for the ladies, for the men. But this is a session which we are doing for the entire church. And there is a reason why uh, we are doing it. Okay. Um, you know, in this picture... Yeah, I hope you can see this clearly. In this picture, uh, what do you see is uh, what do you see is gold, and um, and 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 you know the process uh, through which gold goes to 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 get the impurities out. It's actually sent in through hot flame, and eventually the layer which uh, which is the impure layer gets separated from the pure yellow metal. And once it is separated, this pure yellow metal goes into the hands of a jeweler or a designer and he makes it out to be an ornament. Uh, this is what God intends to do with our lives. He intends us to be pure. He intends us to be holy. Now, when we put our faith and trust in him, he has already made us pure and holy. So positionally, we are pure and holy. But in the life that we live here on this earth, you know, we attract impurities. And there is definitely a need for, those, for that layer of impurity to, to be separated. Now, you know, during the lockdown, the big lockdown that happened, which is, uh, which is, I think, in March, April, May. Now, soon after the lockdown, one of the things that, that, that I noticed when I went around in our area was the long queues. And you know where, did, where I saw these long queues? Not really outside provision shops. Of course, outside provision shops, we did have long queues. But I saw these long queues outside uh, liquor shops. There were these massive queues that people were, uh, that people were waiting for. And all of these guys were waiting patiently in the line to get their fix of their favorite drink, okay? And I had a friend of mine uh, who told me that uh, he actually waited in the queue for about an hour to get his favorite bottle of drink. Now, just imagine, have you ever thought, what if, what if liquor were to be made available free of cost to anybody and everybody who needs, who needs it, Right? Imagine the government makes a scheme where you can just go and pick your favorite booze from any shop that you want. Imagine what would have happened, right? You know, you would find people who, who would be lying stoned on the road. You would find families becoming dysfunctional overnight. You would find a lot of unwanted things happening in a society if this one wise were to be allowed freely in a society. Now just think of it. Imagine this is taken up one step further and, 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 and there is a scheme which allows you to have this delivered to your home free of cost. Imagine what would happen, right? So for any wise that is out there, the moment you take away any kind of restriction, the moment you lift the covers and you allow people to access something freely, what happens is this wise gets the better of the society and the society begins to degrade. Right? This is this is this this is something which this is something which 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 we can observe the moment any wise is allowed a free and uninterrupted run in the society. Right? Now God demands purity, God demands holiness, right? In fact, if you look at the Bible, we find that the Bible is full of verses which actually speaks about holiness and purity. Right? In the Old Testament we know that God said that be holy as I am holy. It was the Lord's command. In the New Testament, Jesus said that be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. 
He demands this of each one of us, right? It's not an option that he gives, but he demands this because he is holy and he is perfect. And he demands that from each one of us, right? Now, while there are several areas in our life where we can be unholy, right? God demands purity from all areas of our life. However, you know, in today's digital day and age, there is an area where we are most susceptible to attack from the devil, and that is in the area of our thought life, right? Today, our thought life is corrupted with all the trash that gets streamed on multiple channels. And with easy access to all of that, our society is, 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 is in a state of moral decline. You know, there's a psychologist who, 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 who did a study on pornography. And this is what that article says. There are three things which are contributing to this huge attack. And one is accessibility, affordability, and anonymity, right? Accessibility, affordability, anonymity. We spoke of certain vices. Now, if you look at these three things, you know, consumption of digital media provides you all the three. It is accessible, highly accessible, right? Nobody needs to know. Now, if you walk to a liquor shop, there is somebody who's going to see you, bring it back. And here, you have it accessible right at your fingertips. Affordability, right? There is a price which you have to pay to buy a vice, be it a drug or a liquor. But here, it's, 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 it's affordable. It's affordable to everybody. Most of it is even free. And the third bit, very important bit, is anonymity, right? Total anonymity that the digital medium gives you. And this is what has made this to be a big problem in our society today. And... Um, and, 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 and if you look at it, it just goes contrary to what God demands of us, that he demands of us a perfect and a holy life. Now, you know, here are, here are a few uh, statistics that are out there. And now, uh, now, now, now we collected this from Covenant Eyes. Now, these are some uh, global statistics. But if you look at it, these have relevance to us in our country. It has relevance to us in our church as well. Now, it says that, you know, 90% of teens... It's a huge number, right? 90% of teens today have absolutely no qualms when it comes to discussing pornography with their friends. Okay, now on this slide, uh, I mean, this slide actually was an eye-opener for me. You know, we sometimes think that this is a problem with the teenagers. We sometimes think that this is a problem with men. But you know what? This slide actually opens the eyes to a lot more things. Look at the next, uh, look at the next statistics. It says this, 55% of adults... Only 55% of adults believe that this is something wrong, right? Because in today's world, we have something like freedom of expression, right to, right to, right to entertainment, and all these things coming in. And, and people make it out to be a form of entertainment that is rightfully theirs to consume. Now, the fact is, many of the adults are also consuming this. Now, I remember I had to once exit a college group of mine because... There was suddenly so much of trash which was being circulated, right? And we had to make them known that this is not right for us. So many people are actually consuming this. You know, Vijay Roberts, a camp speaker, some of us attended a session of his uh, sometime back, and in that he makes the statement. He says that this is the big elephant in the room that nobody wants to address, right? It is a big problem, but then nobody speaks about it. Because, because it gives you 100% anonymity. And as a result of it, 
as a result of which, this is something which is not spoken about. But this is an elephant in the room that we actually need to be talking about. You look at the next uh, statistics, it says that, uh, you know, to, to, today, today the young people are more bothered about, they have more environmental concerns than being concerned about the negatives that pornography will bring, right? Today, everybody wants to plant trees, they want to recycle, they're upset about a lot of things, but this is seen as a valid entertainment. And then the last bit that you see, it actually shows that cutting across age groups, we find that, that it's only, it's only in, in some cases, it's only less than half the, uh, half the people in that particular segment who believe that this is bad for the society. So folks, this is, the, this is what the, the statistics show, okay? Now, we might think that this is Western statistics, but I can tell you that, you know, as a marketing guy, I can tell you that as, as, as a middle-class society or as an upward middle-class society, we behave very closely with what the Western world does. So our consumption habits are very closely aligned with what the Western world does. So this is relevant to us as well. Now, how is this relevant in our church? You know, they had done a study within the church. And, 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 and look what these statistics say. Okay, it says that, that youth pastors, senior pastors, use porn on a regular basis or are currently struggling. Right? Remember the, the conversation about the elephant in the room? Nobody speaks about it. But the fact is, people who are pastoring to us are actually struggling with this, but they may not really talk about it, right? It says 43% of senior pastors and youth pastors have struggled with this in the past, okay? Now, the next one, 64% of men and 15% of women have admitted to watching porn. Like, we sometimes think this is a men's problem. No, we have, we, have, we, have, we have ladies as well who struggled with this issue. In fact, sometime back in this church, we had done a survey. And it showed that men, women, married people, there are several of them. We, know, we don't know who those people are, but there are several people here within this own church who admitted to having issues with pornography. Now look at the last one, right? It says only 7% of pastors report that the church has any ministry to do with this, right? Now, this is, what, this, is, this is the reason why in CPF we thought that we should roll out a program like this because, because we felt that we need to tackle this issue head-on, right? We need, to, we need to provide an avenue for people in this church to come and discuss and talk with us and find freedom because we believe that true freedom can be found and there is freedom to be found at the foot of the cross, Okay. Now, we have addressed this issue sometimes in our camp. We, I remember, I think, in about two or three of our camps, we have addressed this issue. But you know what? This keeps rearing its ugly head every now and then, right? This is not a problem that easily goes away. So as part of this series, I'll come, that, I'll come to that in a little while, but as part of this series, we are offering more than just a talk. We are hoping to offer you some some mentoring which will help you um, grow in your walk with the Lord and come out of this particular problem. Now, now sometimes within the church, since this is a statistics uh, about people in the church, sometimes, you know, we try to do some tactical things 
to, to, to get away from these addictions, right? We, we sometimes learn verses. We sometimes do a lot of tactical things. We are constantly struggled because we are filled with a lot of guilt that we try to do so many tactical things to, 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 to stop watching pornography. But sometimes even that fails. You know, I would just like us to watch a short video of, of a person from, um, I mean, not from this church, but, but, but he's a believer, but this is a great video which actually helps us to understand how big this problem is. You know, for about 10 years of my life, I was stuck in one of the so-called darker sins. I was stuck in pornography. Couldn't go more than two or three days. Um, just was stuck in it. And I was involved in ministries. I was involved in church activities. And, uh, but it had a grip on me, this lust. It wasn't that I liked it. In fact, I actually hated it. I hated the image that it created about myself, the image that it put in my mind of women, and I just couldn't figure out why I was stuck in it. Um, why didn't I have the willpower to end this sin? And I would occasionally try to memorize Bible verses like Colossians 3, 5, so put to death the sinful earthly thing is lurking within you. And I would memorize that verse and say it and say it, and then hours later, go look at porn. And I couldn't figure it out. I was like, what is the deal? The Bible is a living document. I believed that. And so I couldn't figure out why I would memorize these verses and then make mistakes. So I was praying one day and I was asking the Lord, I was like, what's the deal, Lord? Like, why, why am I so jacked? Why can't I stop this lust, this dark thing in me? And he said very clearly, he said, James, you want to stop the sin? You want to stop the pain? You don't want to have a greater relationship with me. You don't want to be closer to me. And that was a profound moment when I recognized that I just wanted to stop sinning and I didn't want to have a greater relationship with my Lord and Savior. And so when the battle changed from trying to stop looking at porn to wanting to know God better, it was a completely different thing. Suddenly victory was, was mine over pornography because... I wanted to know the Lord. The Bible verses that I'd been memorizing took on new light, took on new life because I was, I was being rejuvenated by the Lord because he's like, yes, this is me. You want to know me. You don't want to know things. You don't want to be religious. You want to know me. Isaiah 26.3 says, You, O Lord, give perfect peace to those whose hearts are fully committed to you. And that's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for the church body and for believers that we fully commit our hearts, that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our strength. And the point in my life in which I came to terms with that was the point in which Jesus was really able to begin doing some massive work in my life. I'll just briefly summarize what he said. He summoned from the church and he was... Yeah, so what he was saying is he was struggling with this particular problem and, uh, and you know, he started learning Bible verses, fighter verses, to thinking that that will help him uh, conquer this. But still, he kept constantly being sucked down into, into, into this particular problem. And what he says is, um, uh, finally, what really gave him redemption is... And that's, that, that's something which I thought is interesting, right? Sometimes you're, you're, you're so caught up and you're trying to move away from things. But finally, he said that he started focusing on the holiness and goodness of God. And he started focusing on where he should actually be going. And he said that's what eventually gave him that freedom, right? 
you know, um, in you know, I come from Trivandrum, and in Trivandrum there is this notorious river called uh, Kallar. The reason why it is called Kallar is because there are these big boulders on those rocks. And, and it's a beautiful tourist place. And, you know, you can walk into the river because normally the water is shallow. You know, it is, in this river, many, many people have lost their lives. It is known as a killer river because what happens is the river looks so beautiful and serene. But what happens is as you walk into the river, because the water is very shallow and there are these big boulders and people try to climb on that, but sometimes when there is rain in the, in, the, in the distant mountains, the water suddenly wells up. And water suddenly wells up. And then, you know, the, normally the, the people in the neighborhood would scream out to anybody there saying, run away, run away. But, you know, the water looks so placid that you won't feel like walking away. And then suddenly this water rises. And then that's how people lose their lives. One of my classmates, I remember, he studied with me in 10th. He himself lost his life in that particular river. This river is known as a killer river in Trivandrum. Sometimes this is what happens. We are sometimes tactically trying to move from one stone to another. But the fact is, we need to look where there is hope. And we need to run to that, right? Instead of trying to do a little bit here, we need to look on Jesus and we need to run away. And that's what, that's, that's what he, was, he was trying to say. Moving to the next slide. Now, we know that, uh, I mean, this doesn't need too much of explanation. We know that pornography destroys our marriages, right? There's a, there's a lot of people who are actually, especially in today's world of so many other apps which are going around, there are a lot of people who are, who are, who are dissatisfied and who are looking for love outside their marriage. Then the other bit is that there are a lot of married men and women who who, who are destroying their married life by watching porn. Just yesterday, I was talking to somebody in Pune, and he was telling me about a, about a family. Um, um, they are not believers. But he was saying that that family went through a divorce because the husband of the home is so obsessed with pornography. And, 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 and that family has now, um, now, now they are estranged, and now they are, they are split. And he was saying that, um, that, that, that so many people have tried to help this family, but, but they are reaching nowhere. And that's how they ended up in, in splitting. And then it says that, you know, a lot of the wives of people who are obsessed with sex and pornography, they are diagnosed with what is known as PTSD. It is post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, I myself know of a boy who has PTSD. He grew up in a very violent home. He grew up in a home where he has seen his dad and mom being very, very physically abusive with each other. He's seen his dad repeatedly watching porn. And you know what? His dad is also a member of the church. And this boy today, sometimes when he sits in church, sometimes when he's in college, he has these sudden panic and anxiety attacks. And, and several psychologists have actually told him that it is a result of the childhood that he went through, right? And here it speaks about how many of the spouses have PTSD problems as a result of, 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 of seeing their better half struggling with pornography, right? And this, this, I mean, it has been said several times in the past that, you know, it, it brings about a huge wedge in the, between the emotional life of, of couples, and, and it encourages promiscuity, and, 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 and it destroys the value of children, and the stunts that can be said about the destruction that pornography causes within marriage. Um, there is one more video. Okay, okay this is a video about, about, about a married guy, and, um, and, and let's just, just listen to what, uh, what he has to say. 
probably like every guy that had a had a friend who introduced him to the whole pornography world and um, my friend was Larry who lived across the street. What pornography did in my life was it introduced me to the fine activity of self-stimulation. And it was kind of interesting because as a young believer I would read in the Bible and I, I didn't see anything about thou shalt not do this. So I kind of concluded, well, it's not there, it must be okay. And I, I chose to ignore all the red flag signals, you know, the guilt that went with that and, and the fact that, man, I didn't want anybody catching me doing this, my parents for heaven's sakes or anybody. It's just my little secret. And I figured, well, when I get married someday, you know, my wife will take care of that need for me. Got married, and lo and behold, something interesting happened. Uh, it didn't go away. I carried into my marriage that same deception, and the lie that I lived under was, as long as she doesn't know about it, it's not hurting anybody. I don't know, it was just this demon in my life that was constantly there and I would battle it and I'd do okay for a couple of weeks and be fine but then something would come along I mean especially in the in the years where we were having kids and stuff or Julie was pregnant you know I rationalized all sorts of different things in my life to just say well it's okay you know I'm thinking about her when I'm doing this but but if I'd really been honest I would have said what are you thinking about her is this, is this extolling her and, and holding her up with honor, or is this just you using her? One day, Julie and I had a very interesting conversation, and we got candid with each other, and, and eyeball to eyeball my, with my wife, I, I confessed this, and she said two things to me that I'll never forget. She said, Bruce, it's like you got a mistress in this relationship. Mistress in this relationship. And then she said, what's the deal? Am I not good enough for you that you got to do that? And it was... It was a hard conversation. It was all it took for me at that point to say, you know what, Julia, I don't ever want to do this to you again. And in fact, I told her, I said, Jewel, if I blow it, you're going to be the first one to know about it. <laughs> and I'm telling you, that, that became powerful motivation for me because every time I was tempted, you know, to, to go there, this little voice in my head said, Bruce, do you really want to have that conversation with Julie? Was I still tempted? Absolutely. But boy, every time I thought, no, I don't want to go there. I think that there's a real deception that goes on here. When Jesus said that you even look on a woman to lust for her, you're committing adultery. You're violating the very thing that I intended for this thing, which I intended to be a, a representation of a union between, between God and, and me, the most intimate relationship you can have. And here you are desecrating this thing. I, I can't rationalize. I can't make that work with Scripture the way that I see it. And, uh, and so don't minimize this. Don't live under the lie that it's no big deal. So essentially what we want to say is, um, who does this impact, right? Um, um, you know, we have often thought that, like I said earlier, we have often thought it, that this is a problem which affects only a certain segment of our people. We sometimes thought that this is a boy problem. We sometimes thought that this is a single problem. 
But the fact is it affects boys, it affects girls, it affects married men, it affects married women. In fact, this is destroying societies and it is destroying people within our church as well, right? So can you just uh, hit the next button? So everybody, right, everybody, whether you're male, whether you're, whether you're female, you're, you're a pastor, you're an elder, or everybody, right, is, is impacted by this particular problem. Now, in this next slide, I just want to talk about, um, there was this survey which was done. This is a secular survey which happened, which happened in, the, in, in the University of Alabama. And this is a survey which actually, you know, opened my eyes about the, 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 the what, what, what pornography can actually do to, to our lives. What they did is, in this particular experiment, they took 80 male and 80 female um, uh, participants, and they, and they categorized them into three groups. There was this massive exposure group, an intermediate exposure group, and a no exposure group. And what they got these people to do is to, is to, is to, is to give them um, content to consume over, over, over a couple of weeks, and then later they, come ba- they came back and did an assessment as to what their findings were. Okay? Now, now, now they came out with five findings. Now if you can go to the next slide, this is finding number one. The finding number one says that, um, you know, there was, there is watching porn over a period of time, it decreases their satisfaction with their spouse, okay? Now, what, what, now what it says is that they were less likely to be pleased with their partner's physical appearance and affection because of constantly being exposed to something which, 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 which is taking their attention. They're constantly comparing their spouse with with things, with the unreal things that they are seeing on their screens, right? And it and it and it makes makes them compare their spouses with all those models that they are looking at. And there is this neurobiologist who said that our brains are wired to be attracted to something which is unfamiliar and novel. Okay? Now we think that there's a lot of pornography out there which is free. But the fact is nothing is really free. You know, there was, um, I don't know whether you all have, uh, whether you all have uh, come across this, uh, this book, or there was a movie called The Cross and the Switchblade. It was quite popular when I was, uh, when I was in school or college. Now, there it speaks about how the drug trade happens. Now, I think when it comes to a drug like a heroin or a cocaine, the first seven or eight times it is given to customers free of cost. And then this drug dealer knows that once he has consumed it for seventh or eighth time, he will come back to them and he will want the drug. This is what pornography does, okay? A lot of stuff is available free of cost, but then once you consume that, then your brain wants something more, something more novel, something which they haven't seen before. And then these companies make you pay, and then people are paying from their pockets to consume things which, which, which they haven't seen before. And it essentially trains men and women to be consumers and not lovers. It takes away the joy which is there between relationships. And then you're seeing one another as a commodity. And this is, this is, and imagine this is a secular study that happened. Let's go to the, let's go to the uh, next finding, okay? If you go to the next slide, what it says is, it says that it disconnects us from real relationship. Now, God has made us to be, to have deep relationships with one another, right? He didn't, he didn't, you know, the, 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 he, he created sex and he created it to be enjoyed within boundaries that he has put and which is the boundary of marriage. And there is deep commitment and involvement with one another. But what this does is, 
that it disconnects us from real relationships. And you know, this, this, this massive exposure group, what, what, what the finding was that they are most likely to devalue marriage. They're most likely to devalue marriage. They're most likely not, ha- they will not have, uh, 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 they will not value children in a relationship. And, and, and there is nothing called faithfulness in their relationships. And they also showed that they have greater acceptance of premarital sex. Now, this is a secular study which happened in a particular university. And this is what this study shows. So it really strips away all the godly character that God had ordained when he instituted marriage, right? There is no more commitment. There is no more sanctity. But it just destroys and violates everything. And this today the world considers to be mainstream entertainment, right? And, and in several countries, and even in India, I remember sometime back when there was a discussion about regulating pornography in the society, there were a lot of people who came out and said that it is, it is our right to entertainment. It is our freedom of expression that you're curtailing. And, and, and there was so much of noise which was made about it. But, but the fact is, it destroys real relationships in our society, right? Now, if you go to the next slide, now this is an interesting slide, okay? Now, if you look at it, there are three blue bars. So the, the, bar, the bar with the deep blue color, that is the maximum exposure group. The bar in the middle is the, is the, is the one with intermediate exposure. And, and the, bar, the light color bar is the one with, with no exposure. And look at what the study says, okay? The question that was asked is, do you support women's rights? The question is, do you support women's rights? And just look at how the direct correlation is. The group that was exposed maximum, like three-fourths of them, do not support women's rights because they, are, they, have, they have gotten used to seeing so much of trash that, that they are just seeing women as commodity. And look at the direct correlation. Right? This is pretty, pretty, pretty shocking. This statistics is actually pretty shocking. Now, you know, right, in India, one case which really, which really um, uh, was, uh, was, 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 um, which created a lot of noise was the Nirbaya case. And even in that case, it was said that these guys were constant viewers of pornography, right? So then it just desensitizes your mind and it lowers a view of women. And, 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 and the other interesting uh, part of this particular statistics is they asked women, Okay, that, that is not mentioned here. They asked women about women's rights. And about, I think, 30% of the women who were asked, their own view of women's rights were diminished by the time they were asked this question. So that's the kind of poison that this injects into your mind when, when, with constant exposure to pornography. Okay? And, um, and, and, and it comes at a huge cost. It is, the, it is our children, it is, the, it is our ladies in the society who are most often paying the huge price of, of people um, who are um, watching pornography. Let's go to the next slide. Okay. This is the other bit, right? This is the most dangerous bit. It desensitizes us to cruelty, right? It, uh, and the question here was asked is how many months should a rapist be incarcerated or he should be in jail? Again, look at the direct correlation, right? The more somebody views it, he doesn't feel that this rapist should get punished, right? You're, 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 you're again being desensitized to the fact that this guy has actually done a heinous crime. 
and, and your tolerance levels are actually going up and you don't want this person to be punished. Again, a very, very direct correlation. Whereas the least extremity, affordability, accessibility. And as a result of this, you know, families are slowly growing apart. Um, children are, are getting secretive. There's a lot of things which nobody wants to openly speak about. But the fact is that this is an elephant in the room that we need to address. And, um, and, and if, you go to the last, uh, if you go to the last slide, um, this slide, what, what, what this particular study finally said is, you know, pornography is the new coke. It is the new cocaine. It is the new drug out there. Right? This, and what happens with the drug, right? The more you, the more you, the more you use it, the more you need it, right? Or it's like alcohol, right? It, it constantly feeds your desire and it, and it keeps desensitizing you so that you need a higher dose of the same thing. And you know, there is so much of explicit content out there that it fails to arouse your interest and then you want to go to the next level at all times. So, 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 what, so, so, so how, what, is the, what is the solution to all of this, right? Like I said, we have often addressed this particular problem. But what we want to do is, we want to, over the next two series, what we want to offer you is, next, ne the next week, the week after the camp, we are going to look at how we can find redemption in this, right? Either you're struggling or you know somebody's struggling. And we're going to talk about how we're going to find redemption in it. And we are also going to hopefully uh, hear about two stories both from within CBF, as to how people find, how people found redemption through Jesus Christ. One story might be anonymous. The other story is, 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 is a person who has agreed to come up and share the story. And they're going to talk to us about how they, find, how they found uh, victory over this particular sin. And in a third session, um, we are going to look at what is it that we can do on a continuous basis to find, to constantly ensure that we live a life of victory. And what we also want to offer to you is we also want to offer you mentorship. So what we have done is we have identified a few brothers and sisters from this church, and we are trying to train them up to be a mentor to you. And they are not going to come and hound you, but then we are going to offer these people to you so that you can decide who from this, this set of people you want to connect with, and they will pray with you, walk with you, keep you accountable, and walk with you. You might fall. But it's important that you have somebody to pick you up and then walk, walk your way to victory. So this is, so this is just, so today we are just establishing the problem. Uh, the intent why we did this was for your eyes to be open that this is not a problem which affects only certain people. It is not a problem which doesn't affect our church. It is not a problem which affects only new believers. It is a problem which affects everybody, right? And, 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 and with the amount of exposure and the convenience that today we, uh, we have uh, with our phones and with our devices, it is important that, uh, that we take care. You know, in the last, uh, in, on the next slide, uh, what did Jesus say, right? Jesus said, he said that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery in his heart. That is the standard which God expects of us, right? In the Old Testament, it spoke about do not commit adultery. But Jesus said that even if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you have already committed adultery in your heart. And, and in the Old Testament, the, the punishment for adultery was stoning to death because that's how much God detests this, right? God 
detests the sin. But, you know, he loves us as sinners, and that is why he provided for us Jesus Christ through whom we have redemption. It is often a tough battle because it's like a drug. If you know somebody who's taken drug or who's ever been an alcoholic, we know how difficult it is for them to, they come out of it, they fall. They come out of it, fall. But they constantly need help and support, and there is victory found at the foot of the cross. And I'm sure that uh, the testimonies of the people that who are going to be coming up and sharing will actually show you how that victory is possible. And we just want to assure you that everybody in this church that, you know, while we also condemn the sin, um, we really want each of you to find victory. As difficult as it sounds, you might think that you have lost a couple of years. You might think that you might have had a double life, right? You're coming to church and doing some things, but you're going home and then doing something else, which is, which is very shameful. All the guilt might be accumulating within you. But, you know, we want to tell you guys that, you know, there is, there, is, there, is, there is help available, right? We are here to walk this walk with you. We are here to, to pray with you. And we are, here to, we are here to plead with you, plead along with you to God to give you victory. But, uh, I would like to end uh, today's session. And let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to... Uh, allowing us to come together once again, Father. Even as uh, we were just looking at um, looking at uh, how Your Word commands us to be pure and holy, but how, Father, today, um, especially with the advent of uh, digital media, um, how uh, how many people, Lord, are actually caught up in this uh, in this sin, and we know that this is a sin which which is which is very difficult for people to come out of, Lord. And we know that this is a sin which impacts us all, Lord, uh, irrespective of our gender, irrespective of our age, irrespective of our, 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 our upbringing. Father, it seems to affect everybody, Lord. And Father, we pray that in this new year, that we in this church would really be able to do all it takes, Father, trusting in you, Lord, to, to, to pursue holiness and to pursue purity in our life, Lord. We pray that uh, we will not get caught in, in, the, in the miry clay that we are in, but we, we know that there is help on the other side, and we know that there is victory to be found uh, in the cross. And we pray that, uh, so for that, you would equip us, Lord. And we know that, Father, that, that church is the community that you've given us for us to find a victory, Lord. And we know that we are supposed to leverage the opportunities that the church provides for us to, to walk uh, towards purity. And so we pray, Lord, that you would help us and that you would give us the grace, Lord. We once again thank you, Lord, for this time, and we pray that you would bless this week and give it to us. In Jesus Christ's most holy name we pray.